Hi, I'm Pastor Chris with Pure Church in Fort Pierce, Florida. We're so excited for you to join us for our family series called My House, where pastors Nick and Misty discuss the foundations of a family in Christ. They discuss marriage, children, vision, and much more. Hope you all enjoy the series. Hello, everybody online. Welcome to Pure Church. So I don't know if you guys know this, but we started streaming. Still working out all the kinks. If you're watching online, you missed uh, one and a half hours of glory. Yeah, that's why you got to get here. You got to be here if you can. But um, is it working? (laughs) That's funny. Everybody's going online and check it out. And so um, we want to be able to take the things that we're teaching and put them out there for people who are not not able to make it sometimes on Sunday morning. And it's also good for you to go back and listen to it again during the week, right? And there's people that are going to come in the future that are going to be like, we need help with our marriage. We can say, well, here you are. Here's a 15-part series on, on, on the house. And we'll have that resource available for people to get the word. Now, I'm so thankful that I have my wife helping me because if she's not helping me to stay structured, I'm always flowing in the Holy Ghost. I'm just getting drunk and prophesying. <laughs> That's why he doesn't normally have series. But, you know. I can't. I just get drunk. I lose it. And I'm just telling you what God is saying. Like, I'll get on the roof, and God will talk to me on the roof. So I'm delivering what the Lord has. But this is important, right? Yeah. That we have some stuff that's structured that we can, we can give milk to those that are growing. Can you say amen? And so Misty and I come with, uh, it's not a lot of experience, but 21 years of experience in marriage. I'm sure there's some people that have been married longer than us here. Do we have any people married longer than 21 years? Congratulations. How many years, Uncle Carl? 36 years. Michelle? 30 years. Fred and Carrie? 45 okay. years. So we, we need to get, we need to get, uh, how many years? 28. Nice. That's awesome. How many years? 25. All right. That's good, solid relationships, solid marriages. Raymond, how many years? I know you're, you're above us. 32. 32 years. <laughs> Four years, Manny. Good job. Good job, Manny and Faith. And so, you know, we only come with 21 years of experience. So those of you, you've, you've been through some more battles than we have. But uh, we appreciate you uh, taking the time to listen to us. Yeah. Maybe you can give us some pointers afterwards. Amen. <laughs> but um, so week number one, we spoke about offenses, right? Yep. Don't get offended by the word of God. Uh, the minute you take an offense to what the word of God is saying to bring correction to your life, you're not able to change in that area because you close up. Mm-hmm. And remember, the condition of your heart determines what you get from the word. Say that. The condition of my heart heart. determines what I get from the Word. So if your heart is hard, you resist the Word. It cannot do anything for your life, right? If your heart is shallow, you receive the Word with joy, but when your friends and your family persecute you for believing the Word, the pressure causes you to walk away from it, and and you lose. You lose it. It doesn't produce anything in your life. Then there's the thorny ground, which is the heart that cares is pulled by the cares of this world, the desire for other things. It's, 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 it's being distracted. And so there, once again, the word doesn't produce anything. But somebody that, 
grabs hold of the word, keeps the seed in the ground, meditates on it day and night, and, and believes it and speaks it and presses into it and prays according to the word, and they press through all the attempts of the enemy to steal the word from them, they're going to see that word produce fruit in their lives, right? And that's what we're after. We want to see the Bible work for us. We want to see the Bible and God's word bring results to our lives, right? What's the point in doing something that's not going to do anything to benefit your life? And the Bible is here to bring life to us and life more abundantly. And so we want to see that. So week one was offenses. Mm-hmm. Last week we started talking about structure, mm-hmm. God's structure and order for the home. Yes. Right? You want to say anything about that? No. I'm okay. good. So I'm just <laughs> yakking away. I got, the, I got the gab today. It's really funny. At home, Misty talks more than I do. And at church, I too talk more than she does. <laughs> That's how it works. So this week we want to talk about unity in the home. And at work. And at work, correct. <laughs> unity in the home. I save my words for Sunday, I guess. Yeah, if you talk to Nick too much during the week, he's like, I can't get anything done. Why are you talking to me? <laughs> he hides. Hides away. I don't even know where I am. We're talking, we talked about foundation. I know, I'm going to And we talked about so. the godly foundation. We also talked about last week, which was really good. And I, wanna, um, I want to um, say this again, is you have to get godly wisdom to build your house. Proverbs 24, 3. And uh, godly wisdom is not what your mom raised you to do, not what your dad raised you to do. It is seeing what the word of God says about the situation. If you're in a... In, you know, how I raise my kids, whatever, you're unsure about things, seek what the Word of God has to say, and you will find. So what's amazing now is, you know, we used to have that really thick book that you had to, like, thumb through and be like, oh, peace. Where's, you know, the concordance? Yes. But now you got Google, best concordance ever. You just, it's scriptures on peace, scriptures on, you know, divisions, scriptures on rebellion. My teenage daughter is rebelling. What do I got for that? You know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever. So she's not rebelling, though. Um, you know, it's, it's an, an example. Exam. But, you know, whatever you're facing, you can look up a scripture for it, which is so amazing. So get godly wisdom to build your house. Amen? Yeah. That's what's going to build strong. We, re- we read um, building on a solid foundation. And Jesus said, if you will build your life on the words that I teach, you're wise, building on a solid foundation. If the wind and the waves come, your house is going to stand because it was built on a solid rock. But if you hear these things and don't apply them to your life, when the storms come, your house is coming down with a mighty crash. Only the things that are on the foundation of the word will stand in every storm that you face in your life. Mm. Everything else will come down with a mighty crash. Yeah. And sometimes we go through seasons where God allows the storm to come to shake off the things that are not on a solid foundation. Because if you're growing the wrong way, you need some pruning. Mm. So I'm thankful when the storms come because they cut things off that steal your time, your energy, your resources. Can you say amen? Amen. So Lord, prune whatever you need to prune, right? Yes. So growing up, I'm going to stand to. Growing (laughs) up, I grew up in South Africa, right? And I grew up in South Africa in the 70s, 80s, 90s. 
And it wasn't until around 93 where segregation laws changed in South Africa, right? So I grew up in a country that was divided, right? We had white cities, we had black cities. If you were a European in South Africa, you were also considered uh, a different section in society, right? And so growing up in a country that was divided, you can see that division brings destruction, right? Then in my household, um, later on in my parents' marriage, things got better, right? But in the beginning of their marriage, for the time that I was living at home, and even till the time when I left home, things were not really good in our household. We had provision. We had a roof over our head. I look at the clothes that I wore when I was a kid. I'm like, what on earth was I wearing? What did my mother dress me in? But we had clothing. We had food. We had a roof over our head. We had all our needs supplied. But my mom and dad were not in unity at all. And so... What happened, what, what happened in our household, there, were, there was a marriage, but there was no relationship. And my mom and dad many times had separate rooms. My mom didn't believe in divorce. My mom didn't want to divorce my father, but they just never saw eye to eye. My dad came from Lebanon. His first language was Arabic. My mom came from Germany. Her first language was German. So they had a language barrier. They had a culture barrier. The, the Germans and the Lebs, hey, they have two different foods. They have two different ways of living, right? And so um, my mom was married in Germany before. So my mom had a son, and she escaped Germany. She left Germany because her husband was abusive, and she couldn't live in that situation anymore. So she moved to South Africa to get away from an abusive husband. She left the country took her son and left. And so my mom and dad met, they got married, and when I was born, it brought division into the home between my dad's firstborn son showing favoritism to me, and now my mom feeling like she needs to protect her firstborn son that was stripped from her father, moved to another country, and living in this situation. So I had a home that was divided. There were many fights in the house. Bad fights. I remember going to my room and locking myself away, covering my ears so that I wouldn't hear my parents screaming and shouting at each other, crying and praying to God that, or praying that something would happen to turn it around. When you grow up in a home that's divided, your children feel what the parents are doing. Your children are the ones that are impacted by your division. And a lot of the time, parents are not thinking about their kids. They're so consumed with the fight in the marriage that they don't even see the destruction that is rippling through the rest of the family. Mm. And so I grew up in a household where it, it was a breeding ground. Division is a breeding ground for rebellion. And so the first opportunity that I had to get out of that structure of control, I was out. And because I was carrying so much bitterness and hurt, because my mom would come to me and tell me all the bad things about my father, and my father would come to me and tell me all the bad things about my mother. 
How sick is that? Where the one parent turns the child against the other parent. Do you even know what you're doing? And so when I left the house, I ran to drugs, sleeping around, partying five, six days of the week. And several years later, my sin caught up with me where I almost died multiple times. The only reason I'm alive is because of the grace of God. But if you want to see your children grow up to be blessed, you want to see your children grow up to have solid lives. They know who they are. They actually have vision for their lives. There has to be unity in the home. And you as a mother and a father have to figure it out. Or if you like are single and you're the one that has to carry the household by yourself, then you have to figure that out for your household. You and your you have to be in unity and you have to even get your children in unity with you. This is what it says in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 25. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. It says it in Mark 3, verse 23. Verse 25. Or 23 through 25. How, how can Satan cast out Satan, he asked. The kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is divided and fights against himself, how can he stand? He will never survive. So a household that is divided against itself cannot stand. It will fall apart. And that means that a wife and a husband need to figure it out, and they need to get into unity. And that's why we're doing this series. See, I grew up my whole life living in a divided country, living in a divided home, and then being divided in myself with who I thought I was. I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do with my life. I had no dreams for my life. All I wanted to do was numb the pain that was on the inside of me. But it wasn't until I surrendered my life to God that I discovered who I was and what God had for my life. And so the first 23 years of my life were a living hell. And I almost ended in death multiple times. But the last 23 years of my life have been living glory. Because that's the difference with a life without God and a life with God. Amen. And I understand the importance of unity in the home. And when the Lord called me to the ministry, October 29th, 2007, 11.30 in the morning, I went home because I felt the Lord calling me home. I had an encounter where the Lord took me to the cross and I encountered Jesus on the cross, and the Lord spoke to me and said, The enemy's plan is to divide and conquer. I've called you to restore relationships so my people can prosper. God wants your relationship with Him restored, and God wants your relationship with your family restored. And if you have those two things restored and you work it out, you can see the blessing and the prosperity of God in your life because you can build generationally. Can you say amen? Amen. This is how we live. It's normal. I got some stuff for later. Okay. I'll know when it's time. You know? Yeah. You know when to drop the bomb. I know when to drop the bomb. The bomb. The bomb. So we want to talk about unity in the household. And, you know, there's a lot of different situations. I know there's some, some people here that are, they have a spouse that, that doesn't believe that the way they believe, right? 
So there's going to be situations where people are unsaved, they get married, right? And then uh, one of the spouses turns to God, and the other one, eh, they're not so sure about the whole God thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So what do you do in that situation? What do you do in the situation where you get married, and now all of a sudden you're saved, your spouse isn't saved, there's, there's a struggle because they don't want to come to church with you, but you feel like, I need to go to church, right? It's a real thing. Mm -hmm. What do you do with that? So I just want to read 1 Peter chapter 3. So 1 uh, Peter chapter 3, let me read it. I'll probably find it. It says here, talking about order and structure in the home, in the same way, wives must accept the authority of your husbands. And if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. Mm, that's good. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. So in that situation, the Bible says that you shouldn't, you shouldn't nag them, you shouldn't leave them. What you need to do in your household is live a life in fear and honor of God, and the spouse will see what you're doing, and it will eventually win them over. Let me read that again. If some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, beautiful clothing. You should clothe yourselves instead with beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious to God. And this is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham, and called him her master. You are daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. So most of the time, it's the woman that comes to church, and it's the husband that's stubborn. Amen? Ladies are more open to the spiritual things and the things of God. They're ready for change. Men are like stuck in their ways. But here's, even as Pastor Chris said earlier, the man might be the head, the woman is the neck, and you have influence in your home. Say that. I am a woman. I am a woman. If you're a woman. <laughs> and I have influence. And I have influence. In my household. In my household. You see, the Bible says in, in the book of Genesis that it'll, because of the curse, it'll be the desire of the woman to control her husband. But women have been given a gift, as Pastor Mike had said, of persuasive power. Everybody say persuasive power. And if you will do it the right way, you won't have to nag. All the men should say, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Ladies, if you will use your superpower in the right way, you'll never have to nag your husband. Because if you'll simply communicate the need and you will treat him right, he will serve you too. The last thing that a man needs in the household is a woman that whines. It's like a drip. <laughs> you just want to go rip this sink out and throw it in the river. And then you have a massive water problem in the house. So don't, you know, don't do that. Happy Mother's Day. You know, if, <laughs> if, if he handles the woman whining like that, that's what he's going to get a flood. 
And so a, a woman that whines in the household, ladies, to a man that is like the ultimate pain in life. Is it? It is. <laughs> you, you cannot whine a man into doing anything. The more you whine, the more stubborn he will be, mm. like a mule. You can pull on that thing all day and like, it ain't budging. It'll pull back. I don't know. I've seen some and they just, okay, whatever you want, whatever you want. <laughs> but men, if you're going to sit around the house and be lazy and mm. make your woman whine, it's on you. A woman does not like a lazy man who doesn't help around the house. You are not the one, just because you're the head of the household, doesn't mean that when you walk home that you get to sit on the couch and do nothing and expect her to serve you and do everything. <laughs> lazy. A woman hates a lazy man. She will go find another man. Or no man. <laughs> Preach. That's good. So, see how that works <laughs> hand in hand? A, a man doesn't like a nagging woman, but a woman doesn't like a lazy man. And there are responsibilities around the house that have to get fixed. And if you'll work together as a team, you'll get through it a lot quicker. Instead of both of you not wanting to do it. And that's what it boils down to, is you don't want to do the responsibilities because you're tired. Mm. Is this true? <laughs> and so we want to see unity in the households, but what you have to understand is you have to work together as a team. Mm, you have to serve And you have one to another. give 100% both sides. And if you're in communication and you're saying these are the needs that we have for the family and you're about seeing your family move forward, then you will work together to tackle the assignments. And when Misty and I do things together... It always, it always turns out best. Mm. Amen? And so I want to encourage you, as a family, men, ladies, the ladies are going to tell you their needs. They're going to tell you what needs to happen around the house. They're going to continually give you projects. <laughs> it's never-ending projects. <laughs> <laughs> Just when you think you've got one project handled, there's another project coming. So what you need to understand is part of her gifting is to move the family forward. And if you'll work together, <laughs> you being the strength, and you come together to do these things, she wants to make the household better. But if you don't work with her, that household isn't going to be looking like she wants it to look. And if mama ain't happy, drip, 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 drip. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we want to we help you. We've we got to bring these things out and talk about them. Can you say amen? Mm. And so make a decision today that if there's this thing in the household where you're not getting things done, you're having to nag him, he's not listening, and he's whatever, make a decision today mm. that you're going to sit. Go ahead. That's good. You, di you did a key point. Did I do a key point? Yes. Women... You know, men, you have to take time to listen to them. You have to. Okay. Nick is a really good listener. In the, beginner, in the beginning, he was just an okay listener. You know, and I'm like, you never listen to me. You never hear me. You know, um, and then he would be like, you're always complaining. 
I can't, you know, I don't want to hear you. you, you <laughs> stand so, up, baby, stand yeah. up. Do you want me to stand up? Is it better? No, just when go you stand for it. Up? Just let it All out. All right, baby. so anyways, you know, men, you have to listen to your wives. They need to unload their entire day at one point or another, okay? So you have to take the time to just listen. Not always, because sometimes, you know, men's personality, they want to fix, fix everything. The so, like, if you're telling me this, then I feel like I need to fix it. So, sometimes women just need to be heard. And um, one thing that Nick does well is he listens to me. Not only does he listen to me, but he listens to me, Ryzen, and Paige. That's impressive. In fact, I have a new respect for him because I even have a hard time listening to Ryzen and Paige sometimes because their stories feel like they never end. <laughs> you know? So it's like, you know, not all the time as women do we come with like what's happened and all the rough stuff for the day, but we also want to tell all the details of everything else, even the good stuff. So it's really important that you guys make the time to listen to your women as well. Amen? That's it. And then women, you got to take the time to meet your husband's needs. Okay. Preach. That's Exactly. You know, because sometimes we want them to sew to us, but we don't want to, you know, sew to them. I find the best time to get Nick to listen is when I meet whatever need he needs. So, honey, let me tell you what's going on. Yes, baby. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's like stroking my arm, you know, and whatever, whatever's needed, you know? And you can't just meet it with a bad attitude. Ooh. You got to do it with a good attitude. Amen? Exactly. So let's talk about decisions in the household. Mm, that's good. Because decisions have to be made in the home concerning finances, kids going to school, who's driving who, who's picking up this, who's making dinner, who's doing the laundry, when is the house going to get cleaned? We got to go away. We got to move. We got to buy a new car. We. What job are we going to do, right? There's all kinds of decisions that have to be made in a marriage. There's little decisions, there's massive decisions. How do you make those decisions and stay in unity, right? This is probably where families fight the most. See, Misty on one side sees things from her perspective. I'm on the other side, I see things from my perspective. I want my way, she wants her way. But what you have to do is you have to come to an agreement to bring balance. Look at somebody and say, we've got to bring balance. Balance is the key to life, right? And so, as a man, you can think, well, I'm the head of the household, so you'll do what I tell you to do. It's not going to go well for you. Because <laughs> what the woman will do is she'll step back and she'll say, go ahead, big boy. <laughs> you need her assistance and you need her help. Man, what you need to understand is that she chose to spend the rest of her life with you. She's your biggest cheerleader and she loves you. She wants what's best for you. So the input that she is giving into your life is for what she wants to see you be better, the family better. It's for blessing not to take away, Amen. right? And you have to trust that she has the, your best interest and the family's best interest at heart. 
Because if you don't trust that, then you just think she wants her way. And, and some women, let's be real, we do want our way. Agreed. And if we don't get it, we pout and do whatever needs to happen to get our way. And then they finally just, okay, I'm going to give you your way. <laughs> and sometimes decisions that are made like that are bad decisions as well. Amen? Because if we, if we want something and we pitch a fit to get it, and then it ends up giving in, the man's going to do the same thing. Well, you cried for it. Yeah? And so last week we spoke about order in the home, and we, we said it's like a company. You have a CEO, you have a VP, and then you have the workers. Those are the children. <laughs> <laughs> the kids. And so... The, the way God has set it up with man being the authority for the family, the husband needs to listen to the children. The husband needs to listen to the wife. The husband needs to take all the information in the household and then make a decision. Hmm. Because the decision, man will answer to God for the decisions he made for the household. So man has been put in authority to answer God for the children's lives, for the wife's life. He's the protector. He's the coverer. He's the one that's going to have to give an account to God. So woman, in the fear of God, you submit under your husband's authority. You tell him the need. You tell him what needs to be done. But at the end of the day, he needs to make that decision because he will carry the consequences of that decision. And if you whine and nag and then he gives into something and it doesn't go right, there's another argument in the household. The, the power in the household is when a man and a woman get into unity. Yes. Because when the man and the woman are in unity, they'll move forward together and they'll move forward confidently and they'll both give 100%. Hmm. And so if a husband makes a decision that doesn't quite go your way, then you have to submit and accept the decision with a good attitude. Yeah, and when it, you know, if he made the wrong decision, don't be like, I told you so. I he will <laughs> learn from his mistake, and he will quickly adjust to listen to you better the next time. I know, I'm living proof of it. Are you with me? And I used to say, I am going to tell you I told you so. <laughs> and he did but I learned to stop doing that. So if you went to work and your boss told you to do something and you didn't do it with a good attitude, you'd get fired. Is that correct? Or written up. Or written up. So the same attitude, woman, that you have towards your boss at work needs to be the same attitude that you'll submit at home to your husband. That's your place in God. And if you'll stand there and do what God tells you to do, he will see what he's doing wrong. God will speak to him and God will show him. But if it's through whining and manipulating and holding sex over him and all these other things, it's, it's not going to work. Can you say amen? And men, you need to realize and understand that you're responsible to God and God is going to hold you accountable. The way you treat your wife, the way you treat your children. And the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Don't exasperate your children. Don't make life so difficult for them that they want to fight you and they want to get angry with you because you're not listening to them. 
There's a fine line between protection and control. And your kids are not necessarily going to do what you want them to be in life. I find that many parents put pressure on children to become things that they want for them, and they've never taken the time to figure out what's in the child's heart and what God has for them. What are their dreams? Can you say amen? Amen. In the book of Malachi chapter 2, the Bible says, and in Peter, in uh, Peter, let's go back to Peter over there. Malachi chapter 2, verse 15, it says this. It says that the Lord, in verse 15, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in body and spirit? You are His. And what does He want? What does God want from your marriage? He wants godly children from your union. That's what God is mm, looking for. That's good. He's looking for you to raise your children in the fear of the Lord. Because children are the next generation. There's always going to be another generation. So whatever the generation is operating in now determines what's going to happen to that community, that city, that town, that nation, based on the cultures that are taught. It says, I love that scripture, um, and I put it on, it's in Psalms, that when you have, children are like arrows, and when you shoot them into the world, they, they're like a tool that goes, and they can pierce through anything. But there is only going to shoot whatever you put in them, and whatever the impact that it's going to make, and mar whatever mark it's going to make in the world is what you've put into them what you've raised him in. Amen? In 1 Peter 3, uh, verse 7, Husbands, in the same way you must give honor to your wives and treat your wife with understanding. Everybody, men say understanding. That means you need to take time to listen and understand her. Mm, that's good. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> with understanding as you live together. She may, be the weak, she may be weaker than you are, but she's your equal partner in God's gift. Say, she's an equal partner in, God, in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should. Why? So that your prayers will not be hindered. So you want to know, men, why God isn't answering your prayers? How are you treating your wife and how are you treating your kids? If you mistreat them, God's not going to pay attention to the prayers you're praying. So we need to make some adjustments. What we're bringing is, we're bringing the Word of God, and we're bringing correction to some things. And so families, when you're making decisions, how are you making those decisions? What I find sometimes, in the, in the beginning of our marriage, I would, God would speak to me. I heard God clearly speak to me. But I never waited for Misty to get on board with it. I need to sow what God said to me into her until she is now on board with the vision of what God said to me. And because I was in such a hurry to do what God said, I wouldn't wait for her to come on board with me, and so I'd run ahead of her, and the very thing that I needed to see the word come to pass would not be added to the mix, and I'd fail every time. And what I had to do was I had to learn to slow down. Just because God said it doesn't mean it's going to happen now. Mm. And so I would run ahead in my own strength to make what God said come to pass because I didn't want to disobey God or miss God. But what I didn't understand was God put a partner in my life 
that carries something that I don't carry. And if we don't do it together, it's not going to be done the right way. God didn't bring Misty into my life so that she's just the side wheel and she's just sitting over there. No, she's a gift. She's God's partner in the thing that God has for us. And when you have a godly household and you're hearing from heaven and you want to move your family forward, you need to be in unity together. And I, I remember when we started the church, I had this encounter in my office. I went to Missy and I said to her, the Lord spoke to me and we need to start this ministry. We need to step out and start the business. And Misty had not heard from the Lord. And he Lord. didn't just say that. And he said, and we're going to sell everything we have. <laughs> I was like, what? That killed it. I was like, we're not selling everything we have. That's Tell funny. him what happened. So, yeah, anyways, um, you, this was a good example because you waited for me. Correct. There was a lot of examples where he didn't wait. And I can't even remember them. I remember. You remember some of them? Yeah, I don't remember what they were. But I remember that I would run ahead with things and then they wouldn't work out and then I'd be frustrated. Because I, and I eventually I realized it's because I didn't, I didn't listen. I didn't wait. And um, a lot of the times, too, when, he, when God would speak to him, I would agree that God spoke to him. But I didn't agree on the timing for it. And that and was most of the I always knew that there was a season for everything. That you, when God speaks to you, it doesn't mean it's now. And um, I just was telling him this morning that a lot of times we get the word from the Lord, but we go before him. We decide we're going to unfold it and make it happen. But the seed has to go into the ground. If I plant a seed today, I don't eat the vegetable tomorrow. Right? It has to go into the ground. That seed has to die. It has to sprout up, and then it needs to produce. And there are some things that you can plant, and in three months, you can eat the vegetable. But then there's other things where you can plant it, and the tree only produces the fruit three years later. So you have to determine. Now, the word of the Lord, when it comes, you have to know that the seed is planted and that you're going to continue to meditate on that word. You're not going to lose sight of the word. You're going to continue to meditate on it, and you're going you're gonna to start asking the Lord for the discernment and the wisdom on how to bring that seed and that fruit to, to life. So I understood that a little bit better than Nick understood that. So he decided when God spoke, it's, it's happening now. I used to say, wow, I got a wild stallion. I don't know how to tame him. You know, <laughs> like he just wants to go. And I'm just like on the ride. And I'm like, you know, he's like throwing me off. I'm like, dear God, hold on. You know, <laughs> I'm like, that's how it was in the beginning. So tell him the story. This time, yeah, tell him this what time around, um, you know, we're like 10 years into marriage by now, right? Yeah. And um, he has learned that we need to be in unity. Seven years. Seven years into marriage. So when we ever came into unity, when we agreed on it together, that's where the power stood. So the Lord spoke to him. He had an encounter, did not doubt it. I already knew that the season was shifting because when your season starts to shift, you get uncomfortable where you're at. But when your season is shifting, then even though you're feeling uncomfortable, you still have to ask the Lord the timing. Amen? Because we can jump ship too fast. And now we're, we're like in the ocean drowning. And we're like, ah! I thought you were going to be there for Jesus. us, God. <laughs> you know? And if you jump ship too fast, but, it, it, but he, if he doesn't make you uncomfortable where you're at, you'll never shift to where he wants you to go. So there is an uncomfortableness that happens when the Lord is shifting you. But don't jump ship too fast. When the Lord wants you to ship, shift, he'll bring the other boat right alongside of this boat, and it will be a seamless transition. 
Amen? You don't have to jump in the water and drown in the ocean first. And be attacked first, by sharks. And be attacked by sharks and all kinds of craziness. Let that, let that happen, happen naturally. naturally. So um, anyways, for this uh, transition... Which was a big one. Um, which was a huge transition because in order for us to start our own ministry, that means we needed to leave the place we were at because we were at another ministry. Now, in the beginning, um, so anyways, the Lord spoke to him and laid a whole vision down. It wasn't just like we're going to start our own ministry and we had no vision. The Lord gave us a vision for restoration and to it, it came with an entire vision of what God wanted to do through our ministry. Amen. So um, I was like, no way, I'm not leaving my comfort zone. You're making a good salary. I mean, we finally were able to afford to rent a house by ourselves. I mean, it was, we were finally in a good place. And like, now God wants to shift us? I don't think so, buddy. That's how I was saying. He was like, and we're going to be like, sell everything we have, and we're going to follow Jesus. And I was like, that's not happening. So anyways, I went to bed, and, the, and I agreed on the vision that God had in him. Because it was in me too. Because it, we were one with the vision that God had. Um, so I went to bed one night and I woke up at like 3 o'clock in the morning and the presence of God filled the room. And he said that he spoke to me and said, what you have cannot, um, people need to see. And you're going to have to put it on the lampstand for everybody to see. Um, and I was like, babe, babe, God is in the room. He's saying, we do have to do this. We do have to start this ministry, you know? And, um, through that, then we went to our pastors and we always did things the right way. We never wanted to do things not according to what the word of God said. We went and we sat with our pastors. We told them they agree that this is what the Lord had had. Well, in the mix of that, you know, even though they agreed and they were like, yes, we're going to support you. We had a whole plan um, of how this was going to unfold, how we were going to start our own church. Well, it only took the enemy one slick little thing to get division in there. And one person decided, can I go with them too? And they were like, now you're going to take my people. You're done. We're cutting you off. So the covering we thought we were going to have became no covering because they cut us off because someone wanted to come that we didn't even tell them that they could come. But see how the enemy works, brings division? Um, but any, needless to say, because that happened, the vision came to pass that we sold everything we had or we gave it all away and we moved into my parents' place because when they cut us off, they cut us like completely off. We were like dressed ready to go to the, like the Christmas dinner and they were like, don't come. And we were like, okay. So we, we weren't able to come and what was going to be a three-month plan and a covering and support became no support. But it didn't matter because the Lord had already spoke to us and said that what we had needed to be put on a lampstand and not covered. And it couldn't, it couldn't just go under any kind of covering for the ministry that God had for us because it had to be someone who understood what we were doing. Um, so anyways, it did come to pass that what Nick was saying, that we ended up selling and everything. The Lord made provision. My parents actually found another house a friend of theirs that they needed to move in while they were away that opened the door for us to stay in their home while we launched our ministry. And God provided everything that was needed in the season and everything that God had spoken to him, it did come to pass. But what we're trying to say is he didn't move into that. He didn't go speak to the pastors before I was in agreement. He didn't decide to give up our positions before I said, 
all right, this is what the Lord is speaking. He waited for me to have an encounter, for me to get the same word of the Lord that he had so that we could come into agreement together so we could move in unity together. Because if he would have gone and done that and started selling everything before the word of the Lord came to me, I'd have been a hot mess. And before it even had a chance to get started, it would have ended. Because we would have been divided. And so here we are today, you know, 14, almost 15 years later. And from that point up until now, Misty will hear from the Lord. He'll speak to her about something. We will pray. We'll talk about it. We'll come into agreement. And then when the time is right, we'll step. And right now we have got other things in our heart that we're believing is going to unfold in this next season. We're in total unity and agreement. We're just waiting for the right timing for us to step into it. But it's right here, right? And so making decisions in your household is important. How you make those decisions is important. Because every decision you make has consequences, right? If, she, if I go and just say, oh, we're selling everything, we're leaving, it's going to cause problems. If she says, well, I'm quitting my job because I've had enough and I can't take it anymore, it's going to cause problems. Don't allow fear and pressure to move you in your decision making. Yeah, if I go buy a car without asking him, there's going to be problems. <laughs> you know, you don't do those kind of things. So that's one of the things in, that we get in agreement. Before any large decisions are made, even if I'm going to spend money or anything, not like groceries and things that are like everyday little things, you know, we don't talk about all those details. But if I want to go away to the women's conference and it's going to cost me $300, I get into agreement. I go and I ask first. And if we're in agreement that that's going to be the amount of money to be spent, then we, we go ahead and do that. We don't do anything outside of agreement. We ask each other everything. I ask more than he asks because I just do. But I think you've gotten really good about discussing things. Yeah. And first. then the situations happen during the day where all of a sudden the kid is sick or, you know, Paige went off the road or, you know, something will happen. <laughs> right? So when, when emergencies arise or somebody gets sick or situations happen, the other partner needs to have a good attitude and step up. You hear what I'm saying? The last thing you need in crisis is for the other one to jump on board and throw more fuel on the fire. Right? When something happens with a family or a situation goes down, you don't need a spouse that's losing their mind over it and making it even bigger than it already is. What you need is somebody to say, you know what? We're going to work together. We're going to get it fixed. And we're going to break through this thing, baby. Right? You're going to overcome every situation in unity together. And sometimes there's heavy stuff that hits you, stuff that hits you that's out of your control, right? But if you'll stick together and fight the problem instead of turning on each other and fighting each other, right? Don't allow that to happen. Stand together and fight the problem and you'll break mm. through. I wrote this down. When in unity at home, it doesn't matter what happens, you can still find joy. You can still decide when you guys come into unity and stick and you don't allow division, you don't start bickering and fighting about like, where we should be and what we got and da-da-da-da and, and start letting that fester in you. When you, when you stick together and you, you come in unity, then you can fight anything together. You can get through anything together. Amen. Amen. One can put 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. 
And when you guys stand strong together, then anything is possible. Amen? I wrote down a few things for our house because, you know, in this, I feel that we should be vulnerable on how we operate our home as well. Sure. So... One of the, so I wrote some things down that we're in unity. That's an absolute, like. These are absolutes. These, these are absolutes. things we it's, do. There's no question. It doesn't matter if, whatever. These are, go ahead. Babe. Yes. So we don't make decisions unless we both agree. That's what we were just speaking about. Uh, church comes first. There is no missing church on a Sunday unless, like, someone's, like, sick or, you know. A hurricane. A hurricane or My anything dad died like that. In South Africa. It has to be something major. Yeah. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We have made coming to church a priority in our house since the beginning, and we'll always do that. Most of the time, our vacations are around our Sunday service. We're in full time ministry, so it's not an option for us to miss. Even before, I think, even when we weren't in full time ministry, it still was not an option. Um, because we knew that we're stronger when we're sitting under the word and we're keeping focused. Honoring God. So we honor God first. Second, it is not an option for us not to give tithe. No. It's, we give no our, our tithe every single week. That's, we, we give um, tithe and over and above most of the time. Um, it's not an option. for. This is how it goes in our house. It's God, the spouse, the kids. So we, it's not, when I say God, it's not coming, it's not talking about going to church. That's what we do as a family. That's how we keep our family unit in, um, in unity with God together. But it means we have a relationship with God. We each have our own relationship with God. Then it's about our relationship. Then it's about the relationship with our kids. Because what's going to happen is your kids are going to turn 18 and leave you. And then what's <laughs> left in the household between the husband and wife when the kids are gone? So through that process, you've got to keep this relationship right. Otherwise, when the kids leave, you've got nothing. That's true. Um, another big thing that is for oh, us. Oh, let me say this too. Okay. Our kids need to see us loving each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're always joking. We're always playing around. We're always hugging on each other, loving each other, Right? Our kids need to see that. And it's not fake, it's real, right? <laughs> we have the best time together, and we're setting an example for our kids for what a marriage needs to look like. Because when I grew up, I didn't have that example. And I thank God that God put me into my pastor's house, coming from South Africa over here, where I could actually see what a functional marriage looked like and how it really worked in a household. Then I came over to, you know, meet Misty, and when I got into her household, seeing how their family operated, it was another family that worked together in unity. And when you, when you grow up in everything that's divided, you've never seen anything like this model, and you come into it as like a revelation. But I actually had to be put in those households to see something that I'd never seen before that would change the way I saw our marriage and I saw my life. Because I didn't want to be married. Based on the example my parents gave me, it was, it, was, it was a fearful thing because I didn't want to have what they had, but I didn't know how it needed to be done. And so before I got married, God prepared me. He showed me something that would change the way I would see our marriage. 
because all I ever wanted was a home in unity. Yep. The last thing I had written down, I don't know if you have more of. Carry on, babe. But um, a big thing for us is when we started the ministry, we decided that our kids wouldn't be on the back burner. So, um, you know, a lot of ministers and a lot of pastors' kids, their kids, like, kind of get pushed back a lot. So we decided that that wasn't going to be us. We make sure that we spend a lot of time with our kids. Um, we, time is important for us. And it's not just about buying them stuff and doing all that kind of stuff and spending money. But we spend a lot of quality time with our kids. You know, the older they get, the harder it is because they don't really want to spend as much quality time with you. So your quality time changes and it looks different. Um, but when but they were younger. When they were younger, we were always, like, after church with our movie day. We, we always put, you know, like, pallets in the middle of the floor and we hung out. Um, our family likes to eat, so we eat a lot together. Word. Yes. Yeah. And um, we have the best conversations around our dinner table. Um, we laugh. We think, we think things are funny. Um, and we, we put that time into our kids. Um, now, now, as they're getting, like, teenagers and they're, like, got cars and they're driving, uh, we just wait for them to come into our room. So, and if they come to our room, like the other day, um, Blade was in my room watching a movie, and I'm like, oh, the baby's in my bed, yay. <laughs> this giant man in the bed. I'm <laughs> like, can I sit next to you? <laughs> you know, I celebrate those moments. Um, but they remember that kind of stuff, and uh, we pour a lot of time into our kids and wisdom and sit with them and have a lot of conversations with them. Yes, we do. So those are things that kind of really aren't options in our house. Yeah. And so this is some of how we operate. You know, this is how we, this is how we live our lives. Here's another one. Honoring one another. That's huge. Yeah. How I speak to Nick is how my children are going to respond to him and how they're going to respect him. And vice versa, how he treats me and how he respects me is how the kids are going to respect the mother and father. So I've always made Nick my king. Correct. I mean, I don't care how mushy you think I am. He is everything. In, in, in fact, at one point, I think I called him my, my God, <laughs> and he was like, uh-uh, I'm not that in that place. <laughs> and I was like, I don't understand, though, because God called you to, you know, be the head of, be the the head of the household, and I'm called to submit under you. So he's like, no, you better not say that again. <laughs> but anyway, I've always respected him. If the kids speak out of line to him or say anything, then it's like, uh-uh, you don't talk to your dad that way. But if they see me talking to him that way, they are going to talk to him that way. That's how it's going to be portrayed, right? But if I think he's my king now, because I've, pumped I, I've pumped him up so much, if I say anything about their father, it is like the raft. <laughs> no, the wrath of God Especially my son He's like oh, Don't treat dad that way That's terrible Like how could you say that about I'm like I'm just angry in the moment You know It's like once you start speaking this stuff into your kids Then they bring correction to you when you're out of line You know That's where it's the humbling moment Where you're like Alright You just want to punch him in the face in the moment And say mm -hmm. I'm the mom But that's not how what God wants And, and you're the child submit. And you submit to me You don't tell me what to do You know but that's not, how, that's not how we do it. You humble yourself and you just bite your tongue in the moment and you say, you're right, son. <laughs> Mom's going to go in the other room and correct your attitude and I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's what happens. That you train them how to correct their heart, and when your heart's out of line, they help you get your heart corrected. It's just like this natural thing that happens. Amen. Amen. So, let's stand this morning. We're going to pray. We unloaded a lot today, but, you know, <laughs> one of the things, I think it's in Ephesians or somewhere. I'll find the scripture. But there's another place in the Bible that says that when you, when you get married, if one spouse turns to God, the other one hasn't yet. You need, if, that, if, you, if your spouse wants to stay with you, live with them. Because you bring holiness to the marriage, and you being in that household is going to bring holiness to your children. Amen. Are you listening? There needs to be a godly influence into the lives of your children, right? And then vice versa, it's the same thing, right? And then we were reading in 1 Peter chapter 3 that your life, pure lifestyle before God will, and the way you serve them and love them is going to be the thing that's going to turn their hearts to God. You've got to remember that hell is a real place and the lake of fire is real. And the last thing that you want to see is your children or your husband go to that place. Amen? So they need to be your mission field. And the way that they become your mission field is you love them and you serve them. Love wins. Can you say amen? And so we're going to be doing a whole thing on our kids and how we deal with our kids and how we treat our kids and how we talk to our kids and expectations we have for our kids. Amen? Did you get something out of today? Amen. I know that while we were speaking, the Lord was dropping things into your heart, things that you need to turn around and things you need to change. Remember earlier I said to you, if you'll hear what Jesus is saying and you'll do what he says, he'll bring you through impossible situations. Amen. So I'm trusting that the Lord is going to have give, he's giving you wisdom today and things that you'll even see tomorrow and through the week where they'll drop into you. Just like I was scraping on the top of the roof, God drops stuff into my heart. God is going to drop things into your heart that's going to be wisdom. And when you apply it, you're going to see breakthroughs in your household. Can you say amen? amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every family represented here today. And Lord, I thank you for those that have spouses that are married. And I speak unity into their homes. And I speak blessing over their lives. Father, I thank you for strong marriages, Heavenly Father. I thank you for unity in the homes, Father. I thank you, Father, that you give couples assignments, Lord, things that they can work together for the sake of the kingdom. And, Father, I thank you that you will provide all that they need in wisdom, in resources, to see those projects fulfilled. Father, those that are single, that have not yet got spouses, we pray for them today, Father. And, Father, I thank you that the things that are being deposited in their hearts are going to open their eyes to see the type of spouse they need to choose and that they will not compromise or settle on something that is inferior to what you have for them, Father. Father, I thank you that you will clarify and that you will show them and bring that person into their life at the right time. I thank you, Father, that they will have the patience <laughs> and the grace to be able to wait for the right partner, Lord. Yes, Father, those that are married, whose spouses are not here, Father. Father, we pray now for them that there would be peace and unity in their households, Father, that the woman would submit to their husbands, Lord God, that they, that they would love them, that they would serve them, that they would serve their families, that they would be prayerful, Father, that they would have a heart to see their spouse turn to God. And Father, I thank you that you will honor them and answer their prayers. Those that are planning to get married, Father, I thank you for these things that are being shared and being said. 
that, that it is bringing correction to some things as they're entering into the marriage relationship, Lord God. Father, I bless every single person, every single household today. I thank you that you pour out your wisdom and that you help us become strong and solid families that know you, that hear your voice, and that fulfill great things for you and for your kingdom. Use our generations, God, to do mighty things in the earth for your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we love you. Those of you watching online, thanks for checking in with us. Join us on Sundays here at 11 a.m. Members, we'll see you Wednesday night, chapter 11 in the anointing book. If anyone needs prayer, we're here to pray with you. Otherwise, moms, have a blessed Mother's Day, and we'll see you next week, Sunday. I'm just so glad to be a part of the family. No matter what you're going through, I got you, and you got me.